Well, welcome, welcome uh, this morning. We're so excited about you. Welcome to those who are watching online. And uh, we welcome you and so excited. We had a great first service. Thanks for being here in this one. Well, we are starting a brand new series I'm really excited about today called Afterlife. And you can, by the title, see what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. And let me say before I get into that, I'm really excited about this. Before I get into that, I want to say just a quick thank you to uh, all of you last week for making last Sunday, which was my 20-year anniversary uh, whenever we planted the church, making that so special. I thank you so much. You blessed our family. Hope and I and our family are so blessed by you. We love you. If you didn't see the video this past week, uh, me thanking you, I just want to say thank you in person. Thank you to Pastor Randy and our staff, an amazing staff, for making that week special. I want to say thank you to my wife. Uh, she was with us last week and is, will be in the next service. But I want you to know that this church wouldn't be here if it were not for her, guys. And uh, she's kind of the silent partner in all this. You don't see her up front. But she, uh, she serves in so many ways that you'll never see. And, uh, and so I'm grateful to her. I'm grateful to my kids. They didn't ask to be preacher's kids, but they are. And, uh, and they handle it with grace and with integrity. And I thank you. And I thank all of you. I love you. Thank you. Wow, you guys were sneaky over the last couple of, uh, couple of months, too, uh, because we were blown away by your gift of uh, sending us to Israel, according to Randy, one way. Okay, he said it's one way. But uh, we'll find a way to get back. I don't know. But uh, anyhow, thank you so much. Well, uh, by the way, that trip to Israel is kind of on our, our, my bucket list for sure, which is a great segue into talking about afterlife, all right? So that's what we're going to begin to speak about. While I was here last week, it was so weird for me as I was sitting kind of right over in this area. Uh, obviously, I'm normally up here, so it was a weird experience for me. Pastor Randy was doing an incredible job talking about uh, our 20 years as a church, and then he started kind of talking about me at one moment, and it was really moving and touching, but I had this weird moment. You guys need to know, if you don't know me, I could be a little morbid, a little sick at certain times. I had this, this moment where I felt like I was at my own funeral for a few seconds, okay? <laughs> Randy was talking about me and he kind of was talking a little past tense and, and I thought to myself, did I die? Am I still here? What, 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 you know? And I, so I had this weird moment of feeling that way and, uh, and no, I felt like the Lord said, no, you're not dead, you know, and, uh, and I'm not done with you. I still have things for you to do. So, and here is the thing, you're not dead yet and God still has lots of things for you to do. Aren't you glad, right? Okay. But here is the here is the truth, and sometimes it's a harsh truth. I am going to die one day. Should the Lord not come back, and maybe he will before that, but I will pass away at some point. I will die, and so will you. And I don't say that to be morbid. It's just the statistics show that no matter how long mankind has been in existence, no matter how much uh, med medical technology we develop, and we have some amazing things that can prolong life, death is still batting a 1,000. And, and, and that's just the truth. And it, and it will impact us. It has impacted us. In, fi in fact, three people in this world will die every second. 180 people die every minute. That means 11,000 people, near 11,000 people will slip into eternity by the time this message is over. Hopefully it will be none of you, okay? All right? And that, here's what this also means. That means globally 250,000 people pass away, die every single day. And, and, and you might already have known some of those, you know, and Lord willing, you won't uh, be one of those in this statistic today. But the reality is you could be, and so could I. 
We're not guaranteed another day of life. That's why it's so important that we discuss what we're talking about. In fact, here is what the scripture says. The writer of Hebrews says, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes, what does it say, church? Judgment. So scripture speaks of this. Scripture speaks about death on a regular uh, basis. You'll read about this. And, and so we have an appointment at some point that, that, that is gonna happen to all of us unless Jesus comes back prior to that. And maybe he will. Now, I'm not the kind of pastor, and if you know me, uh, that tries to motivate people with fear. I've never been about that. I'm not a hellfire brimstone, kind of try to scare you into heaven kind of pastor. But I am a pastor that will speak directly to you. I am a pastor that will not water down what we find to be in God's word. And I hope you want that. I hope you appreciate that. I have a responsibility to God to tell you the whole truth. And, and so we're gonna discuss some of these things today and it's not to motivate you into fear. Um, we do need to admit though that talking about the afterlife is not just this big, great ideal that, that uh, is not gonna apply to you because I want you to know and you'll see it applies to every one of us. There are many reasons that it applies to us, but first of all, we are all going to pass into the afterlife at some point. So it is applicable. You also most likely have a loved one at some point that has passed away, or you will, and you'll, so you have also encountered death in that kind of way. And I know it's something that concerns a lot of people because there's a lot of, there's a lot of misinformation. In fact, scripture tells us, tells us this, that eternity has been imprinted upon your heart. So you are concerned with it. You do want to know, and I want to know, what happens after we die? What does that look like? It is gonna impact me, so I want to know. In fact, I found some interesting statistics. One statistic said this, and I thought this was really interesting, that 37% of those who would have no religious affiliation who might even have uh, atheist tendencies or, or maybe agnostic, that even 37% of them said they believed that there was some kind of afterlife. They may not know what it is, but they, why is that? Because eternity has been imprinted upon our hearts. It has been, and scripture tells us. 72% of all Americans, I'm not saying that those are Christians, I'm just saying Americans in general believe in a heaven. 58% of those Americans believe in a hell. 88% of evangelical Christians believe that there is a heaven and that Many don't believe there's a hell, but they do believe that there is one. And I don't remember what the stat was on hell, but it's pretty high up there as well. The point of this series is this, okay? I want to get at this very quickly, is that the afterlife, because it is so intensely practical, shouldn't be an afterthought. It should be something that you give thought to. It should be something that concerns you because, again, it is going to impact you. And I know it's a heavy subject, and I don't mean to be morbid in the subject, and we really won't, but I will shoot straight with you. And uh, at times, there will be opportunity for sense of humor. I love a good sense of humor. Again, my sense of humor can be a little sick. In fact, I came across some tombstones this week that I thought were kind of funny. All right, here's one of them here. Do we have it? I love this. I told you I was sick. Okay, all right? I love that. All right? Or how about this one here? Merv Griffin. Do you remember the talk show host, Merv Griffin? I will not be right back after these messages, okay? That was before a lot of your, that's on his. Uh, Looney Tunes, Mel Blanc, the voice of Looney Tunes. That's all, folks. That's what he has on his. I feel that bidi 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 should be on there somewhere. This was a businessman. 
I made some good deals and I made some bad ones. I really went in the hole with this one, okay, all right? I love that one. And again, and I don't mean to be too morbid, but I thought when I saw this one, if Pastor Randy were to pass away, this might be on his, okay? We got this one. Oh, how he loved bacon, all right? And yes, Jennifer, he loved you too. Oh, and his wife and his kids too, but oh, how he loved bacon, okay? All right, I thought of Pastor Randy whenever I saw that. And trust me, I could keep going on these. There's plenty of them and a lot are inappropriate. But uh, I'll just give you one more. And this one was in an Indiana cemetery on a tombstone that was more than 100 years old. And here is what it said, or what it says. Pause, stranger, when you pass me by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. All right, so man, pretty stark there, okay? Well, passerby inscripted underneath this, a young man, he scratched this. To follow you, I am not content until I know which way you went. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's what you want to know. You want to be grounded in that, okay? So the truth is most of us don't like to talk about death. We don't like to, but for many of us, the reason that we don't is because for many of us, we're not sure what happens next. And as I said, there's misinformation. For many of us, there's myths that we have bought into because we don't know any better or we don't know the Bible. And so we've bought into this. Maybe Hollywood has dictated to you what afterlife will look like. And so you've kind of seen it in movies a certain way. And I'll just straight up tell you that if the afterlife for us is only just about okay, I get some wings and I'm going to float on some clouds and I'm going to play a harp and sing a few songs, that does sound incredibly boring to me, okay? And I'm sure to many of you as well. And by the way, that is not what it is about, okay? So there's misinformation. There's myths about this that we, even as believers, have bought into. And in this series, we want to look biblically. I want to give you kind of a no-nonsense, just kind of straight, what does God's word have to say about questions like, what happens after I die? What happens to my body? What happens to my spirit? Or what happens when someone that I love, when they pass away? God doesn't want your thoughts on the afterlife to be just an afterthought. God wants you to think deeply, and it's okay to think deeply about this. Now, now Paul even writes to a group of believers who were struggling with, with this thought on the afterlife because they didn't know what happened. And, and, and because they didn't know what happened, they were despondent and they were believers. They, their perspective was skewed and so they, they were struggling in life now because they didn't understand about life after. And so Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians. We're gonna look in a main passage in Luke chapter 16, but I'm giving you a setup for this, okay? In 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul writes, but we do not want you to be, what's the word, uninformed. Now, that word also translates ignorant. We, we don't, he's not saying you're dumb. He's saying, I just want you to understand. I want you to understand, brothers, so it's to believers, about those who are, he uses this terminology because he was talking about believers who had died, and he uses this term asleep, okay? And he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. And here's the reason, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. So Paul is addressing the fact that as believers, we do grieve, but we grieve differently. And the reason we grieve differently is because of what Christ has done on the cross in paying for our sins, being in our place and taking our punishment for sin. And not only 
dying on the cross, but being raised from the dead and removing the sting from death. And so what Paul is saying is with right information, you then have a right perspective in how you live your life now as a believer. And it's imperative that as believers, we live differently, even in the way that we view death. It's important that we carry ourselves differently. It doesn't mean when someone that we love passes away that we're not sad. That is not what Paul is saying. We are sad because we realize there's a separation. But because of what Christ has done, it's a temporal separation. It changes everything. The Bible has much to say about the afterlife. Jesus talks about it. Paul talks about it. John does. David does. Moses. I mean, I could keep going. Most books in the Bible talk about the afterlife in heaven. There's a few that do not quite get into it uh, because that's not its purpose, but most of them do. There are over 600 references to heaven alone. That's not even including talking about hell, okay? But over 600 references. But many pastors will avoid talking about it. A lot will avoid it, and they don't want to talk about it unless they're doing a funeral, which, by the way, let me say... Pastor Randy made this point last week, and I want to just echo it from my perspective. As he was talking about me, and I had that thought about, boy, this feels a little bit like my funeral at one point. Um, Here's the thought. He said this last week, and I love it. He said, don't wait. Don't wait to tell people or celebrate their lives. Celebrate when they're dead. Celebrate them now. Okay, and, and, and I thank you for the notes that you wrote to me and some of you wrote in a Bible that you gave to me and some of you wrote notes and you told me wonderful things. You sent me emails and what I'm saying is love the people who are in your life now. Tell them how you feel now. Don't wait till they die. Tell them now. That's just a good word, okay? All right, so, so that's a great lesson to celebrate people now. So Paul talks about this, that we are to think about things of heaven. He says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, I want to read this passage to you, but there are some pastors that don't want to talk about about issues of heaven because we may think that it's not practical. I've even heard this, and maybe I've even said it at some point uh, with good intention, but really not probably the greatest thing to say is that some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Have you ever heard that? Okay, well, here's what I would say in contrast to that. Some, some Christians are so earthly-minded, they're no heavenly good because we become so consumed with the things of the world. But look at what Paul says. He says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Fix your minds is what it is. Set your mind on things above where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven. Your thoughts on heaven should not be an afterthought. You engage in the world that is present, but you you also cast a glance towards heaven. You you understand that life now compared to life eternal is, is temporal. It changes everything when you understand that. Okay? And so he says this, fix your thoughts on these things above. Think about things of heaven, not the things of earth. I I, I love what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did most for the present world were those who thought the most of the next world. In other words, they, they, they weren't disengaged from now, but they had a glance towards heaven and understanding that it impacts things now. So I want to establish with you why. That's what I'm trying to do. Why are we doing a series like this? And my hope is to give you, again, just some direct answers from God's word, not just my opinions, because that doesn't matter. You need God's word. 
That's where the truth is found. My hope is if you are a believer to anchor you in the next few weeks, because I know that a lot of you are going through some hardship. You're going through some difficulty. And Paul went through difficulty in his life. Peter did and all others did in the scriptures. And they would often find their perspective and they would anchor themselves in what Christ has accomplished and is what would take them through those difficult times because they know that the difficult times are temporal. And so my hope is to do that for some of you who are struggling today. My hope is also to move you to a place of deeper love in your relationship with Christ. Because when you start to really dig in and you discover not only what Jesus saved you from, which he did save you from something, but what he also saved you for, when you begin to discover that and it just, it just brings life into you that you understand that he is also prepared something for you that is out ahead of you, that is far beyond what we can even comprehend. And so it's also to do this in this series. I hope to move you to a place of urgency as this series, as I've studied for it, is moving me to that. Because we can grow complacent in our walk with God. We can grow complacent in sharing the gospel. The the series, as we get into this series, you're going to see that it's not just thinking only about heaven. This kind of series is the reason why we plant churches. This is why we take the gospel to the ends of the earth, because Jesus told us to. Why do we do this? We need people to know the truth of the gospel, because here's the reality, church. Souls do hang in the balance, and they do. When when you understand that, it moves you to urgency. And finally, I would say that if you have not prepared yourself for the afterlife, I hope this series will help you do that. I hope that it won't frighten you, but that it will lead you to make a good decision to receive Christ as your Savior. I get asked this a lot. I've been in ministry now for about 30 years, okay? And I get asked, I do a lot of funerals. I've done a lot of funerals. And there are common questions that I get asked. One of them is this, where is my loved one who died? Where where is that person? Here's the second question that commonly gets asked. How are they? How are they doing? What are the things that they are doing now? And, and again, I could just kind of make some things up or I could take people to Scripture, and I prefer to take them to Scripture as the authority. And it's similar to what the Thessalonian believers were struggling with. What happens to people, right? And Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. I want you to understand it. So we're going to look at some big questions over the next few weeks. What happens to a person who dies without Christ? What happens to a person who dies who has accepted Christ as their Savior? Where are they now? What happens to them? Is heaven a real place or is it just an idea that we've kind of made up? Or what about hell? What does scripture say about hell? What does the Bible say about these things? And here's another big question. What is the sequence of these events? What does that look like like in the afterlife? And so so I I hope that as we look at this together that God really begins to to give you just just some information that will give you some hope. Now, I want to frame this story in Luke chapter 16 with some context, but I want to give you some context like this, okay? All right, so look in Luke 16, but I want to, I want to give you a frame up of this with, let's talk about there are three major phases in all of our lives. The first is what we would call life now. What we would call life now, it's the time of conception in your mother's womb till the time that you physically die at some point. By the, by the way, the average age of, of an American man of all races is 76.2 years. 
For women, American women, all races, it is 81.1 years. Turn to the person next to you and give your explanation of why women get to live longer than men. All right, turn and do that now. You may be impacting your lifespan depending upon what you're saying. But what I want you to know is that we are in life now. We are in this phase of life now. If you're breathing, you're in life now. And in the grand scheme of things, what we would find in scripture is that life now is very small compared to the grand scheme of life after an eternal life, okay? And I'll try to give you some illustrations for that maybe next week as we talk more about heaven. Psalms 90.10, the writer would say, we might live 70, 80 years. What is his point is that life is brief compared to eternity. Whether you live to be one day old or 120 years, it pales in comparison to life eternal. Uh, So eventually, as I said earlier, this body is going to die. It is corruptible. It has been impacted by sin. It gets sick. It's broken. Those of us who are older at a certain age, Paul even talks about we groan in this body. When I get up and I sit down, right, I groan. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I I started doing that recently. I'm like, why am I groaning, okay? Because it hurts, because this body's getting older. Um, As we continue to look at this, this physical body, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, this physical body, when it dies, it goes back into the, the dust of the earth. The scripture tells us that God formed us from the dust of the earth and he breathed in us the breath of life. He gave us a soul. So this physical body, Paul uses this in speaking of both the believer and the unbeliever. He says those, or excuse me, for believers, he says, Paul calls this for the believer, falling asleep. The Greek word that he uses, it's koimao. Paul uses this Greek word. Jesus also talks of a person who has died who is a believer, falling asleep. Luke uses this in the book of Acts. David talks about this in Hebrew in a different kind of term, but he uses the same kind of idea. And the idea is for one who is in Christ, for one who is looking towards Christ, that that when they die, the physical body goes back into the dust of the earth and the, the soul does not sleep, the body does, okay? This body, we're not talking about soul sleep here. The word that is used is a word that would be used to describe a person who checks into like an inn or a hotel, understanding that they are in this, this kind of temporal holding place. We would even use this word cemetery. It's where we would get this word cemetery would come from this Greek word ultimately, okay? The physical body goes back into the dust of the earth. For a believer, Paul calls this sleep. And that's the question people ask all the time is, well, where are my loved ones whenever they die? When a believer dies, this shell of a body goes back into the earth. And and now the spirit, because the blood of Christ has been applied... The scripture tells us their spirit immediately goes into the presence of the Lord. We'll get more into that, okay, in the coming weeks. Their spirit goes into this, but but, but that's not the issue. People don't want to know just about what's going on with the physical body because we know that's not the person. This is just a shell. It's just Paul calls it a tent. The real person is the soul. What happens to that soul? Now, the body of an unbeliever does the same in that it goes into the ground, back into the dust of the earth, awaiting a time of, uh, of resurrection, but the spirit of an unbeliever goes into a holding place that is called Hades or hell 
until what is called the great white throne judgment, which is the final judgment. So that leads us from life now into what we'll talk about just quickly here, we call life after. Life after would be this. I want to be clear about this. This would not be purgatory. There is no biblical reference to purgatory whatsoever. Uh, this place of life after is not a place of decision. It's not a place where you can change your mind about something, okay? The vast majority of the verses that we find in Scripture are not talking specifically about life after right here. It's going to talk more about what we'll call the third phase. It's life eternal. Now, Jesus does talk about life after, this kind of life in between, and we'll look at it, uh, this life after, for just a few moments here this morning. And then we're going to spend more time talking more about life eternal next week. We'll talk more about heaven next week, okay? Now, let me just say that for the longest time, I didn't really understand this because I don't know if it was because the churches that I grew up in, I don't know that they really talked about these two distinctions of life after and life eternal or life in between and life eternal. And so I don't, I don't, that's not an indictment on those churches. It may be more of an indictment on my memory. They very well may have talked about this. I just don't remember that. And so for the longest time, I didn't quite understand this. But in Luke chapter 16, Jesus is going to talk about these things. And as a side note, Jesus is going to name a person in this story. And it's the only story like this where Jesus uses the name of a person. And he's talking about a person named Lazarus. This isn't the Lazarus that he raised from the dead. This is another person here. But what we're going to see in this story quickly is we're going to see Two people that he's going to contrast and compare. So envision, if you will, as we read the story, it's like there's split screens that are up above us, and you see one man being compared to another man. We're going to see them compared in life. We're going to see them compared in death. And we'll even see them compared to one another in life after. All right? So we're going to have two people. We're going to have two places. And then we'll even find in this a couple of principles that we can pull out of this practically for you today. Luke 16, let's start in verse 19. I'm reading from the ESV today because I really want to be, the ESV is more precise. I want to be more precise with you in this passage of scripture. Here's what he says, verse 19. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple. Now let me just stop and say, I did not plan on wearing a purple shirt today, okay? <laughs> that happened and I'm like, oh, that's, that's great. Good job, Bart. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. He knew what the good life was like right now. Jesus was speaking in context, dealing with some religious people who were called Pharisees. And many of them, they believed that they were made right with God because they were Jews. And they were of this certain race. They were also, many of them who were religious leaders, were very wealthy. And what Jesus is saying is that is not what is going to make you right with God. He's going to talk very specifically about this. And at his gate, the rich man's gate, was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with that which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. I mean, this, this is a graphic description. It's kind of gross, but Jesus is painting a graphic picture for us. It's a snapshot of these two guys in life. The rich man was covered in purple and had the good life at this point. The poor man, Lazarus, was covered in sores and suffered greatly. 
The rich man is eating lavishly, and the word in the original language is sumptuously. Lazarus was hoping for just a crumb of bread from the rich man's table. Both of them, though, are in life right now. And then it's as if a curtain kind of comes down on the first scene. That is them in life. Now we are going to begin to see them both in death. Verse 22, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. We'll come back to that in a second. The rich man also died and was buried. I want you to take note that there's no mention of the burial for Lazarus. Most likely it was because he was poor. He did not have a place to be buried. And oftentimes a poor person would just be discarded like garbage outside the city gate. There was a place called Gehenna. It was the city dump. And this again, this is a a terrible thing to think of, but Jesus is showing that this man died with no fanfare. The rich man, on the other hand, probably had an opulent funeral. He probably had this incredible sepulcher that marked his grave. He probably had eloquent eulogies that were given over him. One guy was probably not missed is what Jesus is saying in life now. One guy... Uh, was probably greatly missed by all of those who are around him. Interesting thought, and I want us all to hear this today. No matter how much money the rich man had, he could not buy one extra day of life. Is that death is indiscriminate. And we all need to understand that. We may be able to prolong things, and I know some very extremely wealthy uh, billionaires are trying to figure out how to have life eternal. Well, I can tell you how to have life eternal because Scripture tells us this. But curtain closes kind of on act two. Jesus not only tells us about their life, he tells us about their death, and now he's going to start to tell us about afterlife. What Jesus is about to show us is really something that nobody else does. Jesus gives us a bit of a window into this. And what he's going to show us is that before the cross... And the blood of Christ is applied for those who believe in Christ. And before the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there was an immediate place where the souls of men and women went at death. Now, I have a graphic that's going to come up on the screen that I want to help illustrate this. We have on one side what is called life now. That is where we are at right now until this physical body dies. The next part is what we're calling life after, remember? And there are two compartments in this. It is called, in the Hebrew, it is called Sheol. In the Greek, it's called Hades. And the overall compartment, both top and bottom, this is what it is called. And the upper chamber is called paradise. Remember what Jesus said to the thief on the cross? Today you will be with me in paradise. It's called paradise. It's called Abraham's side. It's called Abraham's bosom. Uh, And this upper compartment, this is where Lazarus was. Because remember, this is still an Old Testament story. The cross of Jesus has not happened yet. Lazarus, his spirit went to Abraham's side. The thief on the cross, Jesus said today, you'll be with me in paradise. Old Testament saints, before the cross, before the cross, this is where they went. And it was a place of comfort, as we're going to read about. It was a place of fellowship, as they are in Abraham's uh, bosom there together, okay? So this is the upper chamber. The lower chamber would be what we would call hell, or what we would call Hades, okay? And this is what Scripture tells us. This is where the rich man was 
was at. This is where those who die apart from Christ go in this holding place, ultimately awaiting what is called the great white throne judgment where death and hell and Hades and all of that will ultimately be cast into the lake of fire one day. We'll read a scripture in a minute where I'll show you that's biblical. And then this person who is in this holding place in paradise, when the blood of Christ has been applied, they then will go to heaven, okay? And that has happened for all of us now. So when we die, we don't go to this upper chamber. We go directly into the presence of the Lord. Now notice in between, there's a chasm. There's a great gulf. I had a man from the first service said he thought that was a great gulf. That is not what we will be doing, all right? And uh, although for some that may be like hell for you, okay? So there's a great gulf, a great chasm. This is not a place, uh, this middle chamber is not a place of decision, okay? Jesus says that it cannot be passed over under any circumstances. Now let's take a a note of what is happening with these two men. One died and went to paradise. One died and went to Hades or hell. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. Again, the place where Old Testament saints went upon death. And you need to understand, they are saved the same way that we are saved. Their faith was in the Christ who was to come. Our faith is in the Christ who has already come. Okay, we look back in faith, they were looking forward in faith. Scripture tells us that we are made righteous by faith. Abraham was made righteous by faith in the coming Messiah. The rich man also died and was buried, it says. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out. Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am in anguish in this flame. It's important that we understand that the rich man was not lost or in Hades because he was rich any more than Lazarus was not in paradise because he was poor. That is not the point of this story. That is not the point. We assume that in this story, the rich man did not have faith in the Messiah who was to come, where Lazarus did. Old Testament saints, again, were saved the same way that we are, is through faith in the Messiah. What's interesting also is that these two, if you'll notice, exchanged places in life after, did they not? Where they were at life now. Think about this. The proud man has now become the beggar. He's denied, who had denied a crumb from his table was now being denied even a drop of water as he begs for this. And here's what we know. Write these things down. What do we know about Hades? We know that it is a place of misery from what we read. It is also a place of memory. But Abraham said, child, remember that in your lifetime uh, you you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here. So what do we know about paradise? It's a place of comfort. It's a place of fellowship. But you, you are in anguish. Verse 26, and besides all this, between you or us and you, a great chasm has been, look, fixed. It's non-negotiable. In order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. These are the words of Jesus. He lifts up his eyes. What do we see with the rich man? He sees Lazarus. He's conscious of what has been missed. He's in a place of memory. 
He has his faculties about him. The unbeliever will be in a place in this holding pattern of torment where he will remember, I believe, opportunities where he heard the truth, where he understood what was true and right and good and what God was extending the hand of fellowship to him, and yet he still rejected this and he walked away. I want to say this, and I want everyone to hear this very clearly. I want you to hear this if you're listening online. Hell was never created for people. It was not made for you or for me. It was created for Satan and his rebellion. And God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. It is not God's plan for any to perish is what scripture says. In fact, when we, be, when we just take a glimpse at hell and begin to understand the realities that there is a hell, we realize that this is one of the great reasons that Jesus was sent to restore us back into relationship and fellowship with him that he created us to have with him in the first place. You are not made to be separated from God. You are made to live with God forever. And he doesn't need you. And he doesn't need me. He wants us. I don't understand why, but he does. He desires to be in fellowship with us. And here is the beauty of the gospel. What does gospel mean? Good news. To understand good news, you have to understand there's also some bad news. And here is what gospel good news is about. It's all about Jesus who is in our place. What does that mean? Jesus, when he came, took our place. Jesus took our punishment for our sin so that we wouldn't have to experience this separation and this torment. Jesus was tormented on our in our place, so that we could enter into, through faith, the relationship we were created. I want to say this also. God does not send anyone to hell. He merely honors their choice to reject him and to reject his hand of fellowship. Look at 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, speaking about the return of Jesus Christ. But look at what he is. He is patient. He's patient toward you, not wishing that any would perish, but that, what's the next word? But that all should reach repentance. That all would come to a place of fellowship with him. God loves you. That's why he sent Jesus. God demonstrated his love for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In his patience, he's giving us time to repent. He's, with, he's restraining the return of Christ as he awaits upon others to come to faith in Christ. So what do we see about Hades, though? It's a place of misery. It's a place of memory. But you need to know it's also a place of mourning. Back in Luke 27, it says this. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house where I have five brothers so that, they, so that he may warn them lest they also come in this place of torment. But Abraham said... They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Jesus would prove this later because what happened? He rose from the dead and people still don't believe. Even in that time, they still wouldn't believe when Jesus rose from the dead. So what do we see in this? We see that this man's spirit is still alive that he was conscious, that he had, again, his, his wits about him. And we also see that he is filled with great regrets. 
Now, I know this isn't a popular subject, and I don't like preaching on it, but I feel a responsibility to tell the whole truth about this, right? It's important to understand this so that we can take the context of this entire series in and understand the greatness of heaven even more. We will talk about heaven next week. We'll talk the week after that about what our resurrected bodies, what scripture tells us they will be like. Folks, there would be no gospel good news if there weren't bad news also for us to understand. So we looked at these two people, okay? But let's examine just a little closer in these final moments. Let's look at these two places. Let me explain some of this for you. Go back to the graphic just quickly there. We see that this man... Both men are in life after, okay? They're in life after. The, the lower chamber is what, again, is called Hades. It's called hell. It's an intermediate hell. Again, this is not purgatory, but this is different than what is called the lake of fire. The lake of fire is what happens. It is the ultimate hell that happens after what is called the great white throne judgment, which, by the way, is not for believers. That is for unbelievers. That will happen at some point, those who don't place their faith in Christ. So in Until that time of final judgment, this is where those who die, who are apart from Christ, go in this holding pattern until that final judgment. Those who are unsaved go to this until Christ raises them at the very end to judge them at the very end of the age. You say, where in the world is that found? Are you making this up? Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, John writes, great and small, standing before the throne. That's the throne room of God, and the books were opened. This is in the third heaven. We'll talk about it next week. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. That's in this lower compartment of Hades. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. The reason they are judged according to what they had done is because they had not accepted the grace of Jesus Christ. And then death and Hades itself were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was also thrown into the lake of fire. You are not created for that. You say, well, how do I get my name written in the book of life? It is through faith alone in Christ alone that we are made righteous before God. It's through faith in Jesus. It's through his love. He took our place for clarification. So when a person who has accepted Christ dies today, their body, like all others, goes into the grave when a When a person who has not accepted Christ, their body also goes into the grave. At the end of the age, the person who has not accepted Christ, they will be judged eternally, okay? Those who have have accepted Christ because Christ's blood has already been applied for us, we go immediately into the presence of the Lord. To be absent, Paul says, from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? You can either accept Christ as the one who takes your place in punishment or pay for your sins yourself. Now, again, this is just, I want you to understand, this is what, what, what the scripture is teaching here. God doesn't want you there. You're not made for that. This is why we have to tell people about Jesus. This is why we make room for people in our church. This is why we do what we do. 
And all of these great Bible figures specifically talked about this. So we need to understand this. Now finally, here's what we see. Paradise, Abraham's side. This is this intermediate heaven. This is for those Old Testament saints. It was peaceful. It was restful. But it was not the ultimate heaven because of Jesus. Now, I want to say this. Not everyone agrees with this right here. And, I, and I'm not going to be super dogmatic about this. But I think there is some scripture to speak into this. But here is what many would say about this, okay? That, that Jesus, after he died on the cross... That when Christ died on the cross and he said it is finished, he said to the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. Many believe, and there's some scriptural reference to this, that Jesus descended to, or he went to paradise. And he said to those who were there, and can you imagine this? He said that the blood of Christ, it is finished, it has been applied, and now you come with me and we're leaving this place. And they were able to go into the presence of God. There are many who believe this, okay? I happen to be one that I think I lean towards this because I see some scriptural references toward this. Now, you need to know that not everybody embraces that idea, and that's okay, all right? Now, you say, well, what are some big takeaways for me today? We've seen two people. We've seen a couple of places, but let me just give you some practical application. How does this affect me today? And I want you to know as we look more into heaven next week, this isn't what I want you to see. Is that heaven, yes, it is a place. But heaven is more about the person and the presence of Jesus than it is even a place. It's about this person and presence of being in the actual presence of Christ. It's kind of like that song that Bart Millard from Mercy Me wrote, right? I can only imagine, I can't even conceive what I'm going to do in the presence of God. And it's this place where we can walk with him and we'll be able to talk with him and ask him questions and, and be in close fellowship with him. But here's what I want you to hear today. That isn't just only for the believer one day because of what Christ has done. You can begin that relationship with him today. That his presence, it's going to be even more real for you at that point, but his presence is real for us even today. And here is the final point of application for you. What we learn from a story like this and what we'll learn in this series is ultimately is this, is that you and I, we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. We have a choice to either accept what Christ has done in our place or to reject that. And there are consequences that, that are eternal that go with either one of these choices. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. He stood in your place so that you wouldn't have to be condemned. But here is the truth. Jesus will not make you enter into a relationship with him. But he offers his hand of friendship to you now. He doesn't want anybody to perish in these terrible places that Scripture talks about. Christ has, has paid it all for us so that we could be with him throughout eternity. The final Scripture I'll share with you is found in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. Let this speak to those of you here today. And this is the testimony that God gave. It's a gift. You receive it in faith. Gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever, listen to how clear this is, has the Son, has life. That's Jesus. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And then listen, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may, what does it say, know that you have eternal life. Do you know that God doesn't want you going through life now, wondering or not, 
whether or not you're going to spend life eternal with him. He wants you to have confidence in the personal relationship that he created you to have with him. I know these are some pretty heavy things, but these things are important for us to understand. We're going to talk more about heaven next week. I pray that you'll come back. I want to invite you just to pray with me at this point. There are some of you who are here today that maybe you have just kind of been plagued with this fear all of your life or you've wondered whether or not if something happens to you whether or not you would go to heaven and I want you to know that scripture says that the way to heaven is through faith in Christ maybe you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your savior and your prayer today you might just say something like this to him Lord Jesus I don't want to live one moment longer with doubt about whether or not I'll be in heaven So I thank you for sending Jesus to tell me the good news that you love me and that you want to welcome me into your eternal home. So instead of trusting what I can do to get me into heaven, I place my faith in you, Jesus, because you have provided the way. In spite of the fact that this physical body is going to die, Lord, you will give us life eternal. So, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin and come into my life now and be my Savior. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that even as we talk about things that are so heavy and things that are sobering, that, Lord, that even when we look at the bad news, that we take comfort in knowing that there's good news That faith in Christ changes everything. It changes our eternity. I pray for every person here that you would convey to them your love, Lord. That you have been pursuing them all of their life. Because you want us to be with you in heaven. Not because you need us. You just love us. So we thank you today, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you that you give us perspective moving forward. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Listen to this song.